Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, stagnancy, ignorance. All of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady in your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The Book of Apostle Paul, Ephesians 4.22-24 You were taught with regard to your former way of life so that you are to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self, created by God into righteousness and holiness the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. This is a very powerful word, the right to that power. This is anointing so that we can put off our former way of life and anointing so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life because anointing is the legitimate authority or right to that power, anointing is not possible to take. You can pass on anointing, you can receive anointing. And so the teaching of putting off our former way of life and putting on the new way of life is not something you can take, it's something you can receive in anointing because anointing is the legitimate right, right to that power of God. When Jesus was preaching in the temple, people approached him who had authority and anointing, the high priests and other priests, and they asked him, with what power are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? What an accurate question. They understood that to have anointing, someone needs to pass this anointing on to you. They serve the great Yahweh, but you, Jesus, Yeshua, who are you serving? Who gave you this authority? And so he says, It is our Heavenly Father, Yahweh. He gave me this authority. But your authority, <clears throat> I don't know where it comes from. Jesus wanted to show that the authority that he had is what he received from his Father. And he received it in the Jordan, if you remember, when he went to the Jordan, he acknowledged God's messenger, 
Jesus uh, acknowledged John, and John didn't want to baptize him. If you remember, he said, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. But Jesus said, let it, let all of the word be fulfilled, or what is written in Scripture needs to be fulfilled. And he received, John received Jesus and baptized him. And there was then thunder in the sky, and he said, this is my son whom I love. At this time, he passed on the mandate, he passed on authority and anointing. Only a son receives this anointing from the father. And when he received this anointing, he was passed on to him. Uh, he was drawn into the wilderness so that the anointing he received, it needed to be established. It needed to be marked or sealed. And so after he was tried for 40 days in the wilderness, he did not eat. He became hungry. He was t- tested. And he, of course, was victorious. And he came in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the anointing received its legitimate right. And so what is anointing? It is the right to that power. Why do we need this power? So we can put off our former way of life, so we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. In our bodies, we our mortal bodies, there's death. There's death in our bodies. Why? Because death has the legitimate right to our body. The life that we inherited, we, we received from our fathers, and death is as a fundamental uh, part of us. We are born with death. We get sick, we get old, we die, and the devil in the form, uh, or the death in the f- uh, says, I have the legitimate right to your body, to your soul, to your mind, look at your mind, I have the legitimate right to it, and also your spirit to, uh, for damnation, uh, but we need to be born in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and and give birth to your spirit and now your spirit will be inherent to God will be the son of God and your spirit then receives the right to the power to put off the former way of life when we're born again we receive the legitimate right to confront this legitimate death that's in our body this legitimate resurrection has the right to destroy legitimate death in our body and to laws, they meet one another in this case, or come face to face. Fulfilling these three requirements, which are written in the book of Apostle Paul and and are presented in the sermons sermons of our Apostle Arkady, we need to put three destiny impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice. These are put off, be renewed, and put on. Without anointing, you will not be able to do any of these things. And fulfilling these three requirements will determine whether our salvation happens. What salvation that is given to us in the format of a seed? Why is it given in a format of a seed? So we can receive it as a possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness because the Lord receives in heaven uh, everything that's in the format of fruit. Jesus was faithful, faithful to his death, the death of the cross. And this means that the Lord receives everything in the form of fruit. The life that was given to the Son in the seed, it died and bore fruit. And now he's looking at his victory in heaven. He's looking at his fruit, and his fruit is us together. This is his victory. And so relevant to this, we stop to study the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David, where getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David consisted of the eight names of God allowed David 
to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and gave God the legitimate ability to use the power that is contained in the capabilities of his names to, in battle against the enemies of David. Psalm 18, 1-3 I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Let us together proclaim that our inheritance in Jesus Christ. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord make us worthy of his names and his godly characteristics. In a specific format, as much as God has allowed and the measure of our faith, because the Lord only goes off of the measure of our faith, how much we collaborate with him, we already studied our inherited lot in Jesus Christ in the form of three of God's names, strength, rock, and fortress. Therefore, we will immediately begin studying our inherited lot in Jesus Christ, studying the name of God, Redeemer. And very shortly, we will remember that when we studied the name of the Lord, you are my strength. Here, the Lord has shown that he has magnified his word above all his names, and he's an unchanging in his word, God. And in this name, we also magnify his word, and we use his abilities so we can weigh ourselves then in his name rock we begin to weigh ourselves according to his word upon the skills of righteousness to cleanse ourselves from the filth of the flesh and spirit and after we have cleansed our heart we now can approach God in his third name fortress why so that we can be uh, fertilized uh, with his seeds so that our clean heart can be fertilized so that we can for the reason why we fertilize so that we can grow then our fruit in his name redeemer <clears throat> which he can then use to destroy all of our enemies and so these are enemies of course in ourselves as well as out of ourselves as well the quality and lexicon identifying the name of god redeemer as the previous names of god cannot be found in any existing dictionary of the world and redeemer includes the following definitions chief of the covenant the lord redeems who the one who is in a covenant with him. Redeemer is the redeemer from the captivity of sin and death. Here we need to understand that we are captives. <clears throat> our heart, our body is in, is captive to, because we legitimately are bound to death because of our genetical code from our fathers. He's also the savior of the body. The Lord not just wants to save my spirit and my soul, but also adopt our body. And then this adopted body where the resurrection of Christ will reign. And so, and he can then lift it up. And lift it up means that it will become glorified. Our body will be then, our body will become then in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And for it to happen, it's necessary that the stronghold of death be removed from this body. 
and when the stronghold of death will be removed in the form of the old man and thrusted out, then this body will become the wonderful material used to create the heavenly body that is in the likeness of Jesus Christ. Redeemer is a protector from God's wrath. We approach God so that we can be protected from His holiness. Redeemer is one who restores our rights to our inheritance. This is one who places us as His holy thing into His safety. And Redeemer is also keeping our guarantee until the coming of Christ or helping us turn our guarantee, our seed, turn our guarantee into profit, make our seed into fruit. In the given prayer psalm of David, the name of God Redeemer contains the inherited lot of the Son of God in whom and by whom a person receives the ability to invest the guarantee of his salvation like he would a down payment so that he can receive profit. What kind of profit? In the form of the salvation of our soul and the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. This is that profit that we <clears throat> need to receive investing the silver of our salvation and turning it to profit. Considering such a union between God and man, it becomes vital for us to determine in every area of our essence both the role of God and the role of man. And for this purpose, we've come to the necessity to study a series of questions. First, what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot contained in the name of God Redeemer? What purpose is our inherited lot in the name of God Redeemer called to fulfill in the realization of our salvation? What price do we need to pay to give God the ability to be our Redeemer? And by what results do we need to determine that God is truly our Redeemer in the realization of our calling? In a specific format, we already studied the essence of the first two questions and therefore will pay attention to question three. What price do we need to pay to give God the legitimate ability to be our Redeemer? Or what conditions do we need to fulfill to receive the right to the power to collaborate with the abilities of God contained in His name, Redeemer? And so this legitimate right, this anointing again, we repeat, it can't be taken. It needs to be passed on to you and you can then receive it to receive this power to the right to collaborate with the abilities of God contained in His name, Redeemer. So let's look today at some of the components of the price. What is the price to collaborate with the name of God, Redeemer? What is the price? When we say, Lord, you are my Redeemer, we need to look at, usually when you purchase something, you turn around and you look at the tag to see what the price is. And you see it's too expensive, you leave the store, you're not going to buy it. And so that's the typical scenario of a person. <clears throat> uh, most people are living on a budget, whatever amount he may uh, he may have, whether he has <clears throat> hundreds or millions of dollars, he still needs to have a budget for <clears throat> uh, to utilize the finances he has in the right ways. 
because either way, a person, if he doesn't have a budget, doesn't utilize his money properly, he'll end up in bankruptcy. For example, you could purchase something that may be $350, for example, a suit, or you could buy a better suit with better material, better quality, lasts longer for the same price somewhere else. And you can hear people say, well, I can do whatever I want, but in Scripture it says, no young man, that you will give account for everything when you're foolishly spending. And so what is the price tag that we see here? What will we see? And so we turn around and now are looking at that price. First, to give God the legitimate ability to be our Redeemer and in the given situation so that He redeem our soul from the depths of hell, the depths of Sheol in this case, it is necessary to allow Him, the Lord, to teach us the way of God and to walk in His truth and make our heart unite to fear His name. Psalm 86, 11, through 13 teach me your way O Lord I will walk in your truth unite my heart to fear your name I will praise you O Lord my God with all of my heart and I will glorify your name forevermore for great is your mercy toward me and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol and what were we able to note here that Lord you have delivered my soul that's why, Lord, you are my Redeemer, you are my Deliverer. He delivers, uh, in this case, as redemption, a form of redemption here, from the depths of Sheol. He paid a price. Uh, and the price uh, we pay is we obey the instruction of the person who, who is the lips of God, the person who is, who, ha who is the Lord's lips, whom He has delegated, and we obey Him. We are able to receive instruction. In the given prayer plea, David does not just acknowledge but also experiences his soul abiding in the depths of hell. The, the soul, David's soul in this case, in the psalm, is in the depths of hell. But he's a living person. He's living in the body. What depths of hell is it referring to? He's never been in, in the physical hell. This person is anointed by God, but he's talking about his soul abiding in the depths of hell. And this was not a joke. This was real. He acknowledged it, and he experienced the soul abiding in the depths of hell. In another place, it says, do not leave my soul in hell. Will you not? Don't let your Holy One see corruption. The essence of the depths of hell for our soul, our renewed soul, is our corrupt body. Our physical corrupt body where inherited sin reigns in the form of our old man, who is a carrier of the program of the fallen cherubim, our mortal body where the law of sin and death is, and where the genetics of hell reign and rule, which have been passed on to me, the renewed soul experiences itself it feels as though it is in hell. And this is our soul that's been renewed. However, it's interesting, Pastor notes, infants in Christ and carnal men, 
who are carnal men, these are people who have missed the conditioned time for leaving infancy, do not only not acknowledge, but also do not experience the abiding of their soul in the depths of hell. But on the contrary, they deny such a reality. What hell are you talking about? Because the soul is not renewed in them. Because being in the carnal state, the carnal state, the old man living in their bodies with great zeal helps them and inspires them even to worship and serve, but not worship and service that God has called them to. But when a person, by being instructed in faith, receives knowledge that for the saving of his soul, he needs to lose it, his soul in the depths of the Lord Jesus, so he can reobtain it in a new form in the resurrection of Jesus, only then does he leave, only then does he leave the carnal state that is founded upon emotional elements and enters the state of the spirit which abides in the informational element. And when the soul is submerged in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and it, you then reobtain it in a new form, the soul, how do you determine if it's in a new state or not? It passes from the state of emotion, emotional elements doesn't, no longer depends on emotion, but passes from that into in, informational element, relies only upon the word of God. You may ask, well, am I a carnal or am I spiritual? Here you can determine, do you base what you do and what you think on what you feel or the information you receive? When a person relies upon the informational element, which comes from listening to the preached word about the kingdom of heaven, abiding in man, the old man in such a situation transforms from a helper inspiring the person to serve God, but service God did not call him to, he transforms into his enemy, which is supported by the organized powers of the depths of hell. Recently, our apostle had shown us in one of the sermons when David was just uh, anointed to his king, to to his to his rule, to the kingdom, he immediately saw his enemies. He he had the lion and bear, but Saul, the uh, unrenewed mind, and the Philistines suddenly found, uh, showed their faces there and became enemies to David. And so these are those who live in us. And how do you kill them? You need to remove them from your essence. How do you remove them? Lord, deliver my soul from the depths of hell. You can't just uh, easily just remove them. Demons you can rebuke, lions you can destroy if you needed to, but Philistines who genetically are rooted in us, we submerge them into the death of the Lord Jesus. And there's an expression we have, tell me who your friend is and I'll tell you who you are. And when pastor had spoken this truth, he showed it in a, a different light. Tell me who your enemy is and that's when I will tell you who you are. If your enemy are the children of God, if your enemy is David, the messenger of God, then you can determine what who this person is. But if your enemy is the Philistines or Saul, then this is great status of an anointed person to the kingdom. Tell me who your enemy is and I'll tell you who you are. Let us now 
look at how we need to trust upon and rely upon information and not emotions. Reliance upon information that comes from listening to the preached word about the kingdom of heaven and man is the trust of the human heart upon God and upon his word which leads us to the salvation of our soul from the depths of hell. And so trust upon information is the reliance of the human heart upon God. He does not rely upon, again, the emotions, but the information, the word of God. Hebrews 10, 35-39 Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the, the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now ju- the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Standing in faith to the salvation of the soul is to abide in the faith of God that is imprinted in our heart or act according to the the information that is contained in the faith of God, proclaiming the not-existent salvation of the soul as existent. Only being instructed upon the way of the Lord are we able to walk in the truth of the Lord that is called to then deliver our soul from the depths of hell that is within our body. Only when we're instructed upon the path of the way of the Lord, the way of the Lord. And so we and this is to deliver our soul from the depths of hell that's in our body. And so again the price received the ability to be instructed. It's a privilege. Anyway, and so you, you, you can you need to be able to say that I'd be happy, I'd be glad if the pastor comes up to me and gives me a correction. But people don't want to pay that price. When someone above them corrects them, they become upset. I'll leave the church. I'm going to go to a different state. What'd you say about me? What'd you say to me? What'd you say to my kid? Uh, and people become unhappy. The necessity of instruction is to save your soul. And so to be able to save your soul, you need to be instructed upon the way of the Lord to be saved from the depths of hell. You need to open your ear and listen. The way of the Lord or the path of the Lord is the way of the commandments of the Lord that is ratified or established in our heart by the means of confessing with the faith of God that abides in our heart. Psalm 119.32, I will run the course of your commandments for you shall enlarge my heart. An enlarged heart is a heart that is cleansed from dead works, where the law of God is imprinted that makes the heart of a person free from sin and giving man the legitimate ability to stand in the liberty of Christ and not be subject to slavery. If the person rejects the instruction of his father in the form of the person who is clothed into the authority of a father of God and his helpers, then they unfortunately will not inherit salvation or the salvation of their soul but hellfire and so some people they try to uh, show themselves they try to make themselves popular they try to post themselves on websites uh, for popularity reasons for fame reasons Uh, these are not the helpers of a pastor 
these are not people that are concerned about their salvation and so their heart will not be able to be established in the fear of the name of the Lord Proverbs 15:32-33 He who disdains instruction despises his own soul or the salvation of his soul we're talking about to save your soul from hell from the depths, depths of hell or hell fire you need to receive instruction and walk the course of the commandments of the Lord but here in the Proverbs it says he who disdains instruction despises his own soul does not care for the salvation of his soul but he who healed who heeds rebuke gets understanding the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility a person clothed into the authority of a father of God is called in scripture as an angel an instructor instructor one of of a thousand who is able to show a person his way where he will find mercy in God's sight and his soul can be then delivered from the depths of hell and his body will become fresher and more youthful than it was when he was young Job 33 23-30 from whom do we receive instruction from a messenger from an instructor Job 33 23-30 if there is a messenger for him a mediator one among a thousand to show man his uprightness if there is it's a question you have thousands of instructors but they're not but those that are not fathers and so one out of a thousand will also be a father that has the delegation of God he represents a father of God and so if there was such a messenger a mediator then he is gracious to him and says deliver him from going down to the pit I have found a ransom so that this hell this body would not be a hell and 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 the tomb for for the soul his flesh shall be young like a child he shall return to the days of his youth he shall pray to God and he will delight in him he shall see his face with joy for he restores to man his his righteousness then he looks at men and says I have sinned and perverted what was right and it did not profit me he will redeem his soul from going down to the pit and his life shall see the light behold God works all these things twice in fact three times with man to bring back his soul from the pit that he may be enlightened with the light of life to examine yourself that you are upon the ways of the Lord whether we stand in the truth and our heart is established in the fear of the name of the Lord is to be done by how we behave with physical wealth how we behave when it comes to physical wealth because the way we behave with physical wealth will determine how we behave with uh, incorrupt wealth or imperishable wealth Job 22 21 through 28 now acquaint yourself with him and be at peace thereby good will come to you receive please instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart if you return to the Almighty you will be built up you will remove iniquity far from your tents then you shall lay your gold in the dust and the gold of Ophir among the stones of the brooks yes the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver for then 
you will have your delight in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. You will make your prayers to Him and He will hear you, and you will pay your vows. You will also declare a thing and it shall be established for you, so light will shine on your ways. And to establish this faith of God abiding within our heart, faith that the Lord will redeem our soul from the depths of hell. There's another place of scripture that speaks of keeping instruction and loving instruction and following his instructions. Three places of scripture and then we will turn to the second uh, price. Proverbs 10:17. he who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. Here we need to keep instruction. Proverbs 12.1 Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates corruption or who, who hates correction is stupid. And so here we can see that we need to keep instruction, but also love instruction. And the last one, Proverbs 13.18 Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction, but he who regards a rebuke will be honored. And so to receive instruction and to walk in the ways of righteousness so that the Lord can deliver us from the depths of hell, deliver our soul from the from the tomb. And so for our renewed soul, it is right now in a coffin. But we need to be free of this coffin and how by listening to instruction. <clears throat> we need to love it. We need to we need to love it. We need to regard it. And then our body and we need to keep his instructions that way our body will no longer be a coffin for our renewed soul. Second, to give God the legitimate ability to be our redeemer, it is necessary to call upon the uh, the Lord or call upon God in our distress and our trouble. Psalm 81, 7 You called in trouble and I delivered you. Lord, you are my deliverer. You called in trouble and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Also Psalm 50, 14, 15 Offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. And so to call upon the Lord, according to, to these two places of scripture, is to pay your vows to the Most High. In these places of scripture, we see our purpose in God and our calling in God. This is our obligation, our responsibility before God. Also, the responsibility and obligation of God as well himself, uh, which he will fulfill when we fulfill also our purpose and our calling. When it's talking about the the sorrow, we're talking about the, <clears throat> the distress, we're talking about casting off the old man with his deeds and which keeps us in its in, within its grip and no longer be dependent upon our nation the house of our father and our corrupt desires of our soul 
And so for our soul to be able to say this, it is necessary that the Lord redeem us from these, this distress that's in our soul. We have this legitimate dependence, legitimate lawful dependence that gives the devil and death power, anointing. And he receives anointing through our nation, the house of our Father, and our corrupt desires, our personal desires. He receives the legitimate right to death. And it's, he's very successful in this. Look at the cemetery. This is the legitimate right. He has the right to send a person to the cemetery person gave him this right <clears throat> but the cemetery is not the place of meeting with God the death of the Lord Jesus Christ in the baptism of water Holy Spirit and fire this is where we uh, meet with God the cemetery is not our inheritance some people say well no one can avoid that this is not our destiny the cemetery is not our destiny the Lord has given us baptism where we are faced with death so we can overcome it. To call upon the Lord in the day of calamity and difficulty is proclaim the faith that's in our heart, proclaiming who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, and who we are to God in Jesus Christ. Upon practice, this means to count yourself in Jesus Christ, dead to sin and living for God, proclaiming the not existent deadness to sin, as existent and the non-existent stronghold of life in our body as existent and to pay your vows to the Most High is confessing the faith of our heart and pass to uh, in other words to fulfill also what you have, are confessing become salt and light for the world <clears throat> and to be a candle in a house Proclaim it and also fulfill what you are proclaiming and confessing. And so the Lord <coughs> redeems our soul from the death that it's in and this death that exists within. Our nation, our Father's house, and our corrupt desires. Third, to give God the legitimate ability to be our Redeemer from all of our iniquities it is necessary to place our hope upon God. <clears throat> Psalm 137, 8, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all of his iniquities. Before we uh, remind ourselves of the nature and the origin of trust, and also the ability to place our hope upon God, we need to identify the nature and origin of lawlessness or iniquity, <clears throat> which uh, holds us in its shackles and dependence. Because uh, he says, if you see here, David says, deliver me from all of my iniquities. And so we need to identify what iniquities it's referring to where he says, deliver Israel from all of their iniquities. According to 
this place of scripture addressed to Israel is talking about iniquity where they that they were born in and that has been passed on to us genetically from the sinful seed of our fathers in the flesh we can conclude that we become lawless not because we perform iniquity or lawlessness but because we were born in it Psalm 51, 1-12 <clears throat> Here we're talking about redemption but we need to see this iniquity and its portrait Lord, you are my Redeemer What does he need to redeem us from? Right now we're going to read Psalm 51, 1-12 have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Here it's saying that, what does it mean that my sins are always before me? It doesn't mean he didn't confess his sins. He immediately confessed it. Uh, his sins and he received forgiveness but when he says my sins are always before me he says when I see my corrupt body <clears throat> that is subject to death I remember Lord <clears throat> my sins this is what the genetic line of my father's the code has passed on to me when I look in the mirror and I begin to see the wrinkles That's why he says, my sin is always before me. I stand up and I look in the mirror and I see. And one day we will be redeemed from this. But David here calls out to God and says these words. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Perch me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. <clears throat> and so look at what interesting six components we, we've, we've yielded from this. First, according to the sequence of the given revelation, to give God the legitimate ability to redeem us from iniquity in which we were born and that we also perform, it is necessary to place your hope upon the Lord, hope and trust that He will redeem us from our iniquities. It's necessary to place our hope. What does it mean? This is... <clears throat> Right now, I'm, it's hope in the form of reliance, like I'm leaning, I'm leaning on this desk, I'm, I'm leaning. This is 
And so I don't rely when I'm letting go of the, uh, I'm not leaning against it. I don't rely upon it. You need to, re- to lay and rely upon the Lord in this case. And so to give God the legitimate ability to redeem us from iniquity in which we were born and that we perform, it is necessary to place our hope upon the Lord, hope and trust that we were, will be redeemed from our iniquities. To place our hope upon the Lord, it is necessary to bring Him within the boundaries of our heart and mind by being instructed in the faith and then ratify its legitimacy with our mouth. It's wonderful to just listen to pastor. There is no one like our pastor. As I personally have heard of any other preacher, I've never heard anyone like our pastor one who knows what he's saying and who experiences these things, what he's saying. He lives these through these things. It's hard to find someone like him. I remember all of the relatives that used to sit around us, how they were in awe of him, and then they started desiring power. And and so they would... First, they were looking at him in awe with their mouth open, and next they started to spit on him. And so we need to always remember these kinds of things. Third, to bring the discipline of hope upon the Lord into your heart, it is necessary to cleanse your conscience from dead works by being instructed in faith. Fourth, to cleanse your conscience from dead works, It is necessary to repent or to acknowledge the presence of iniquity in which we were born and that we perform and confess it before God in the presence of the person who represents the Father of God and His helpers. And so the iniquity in which we were born, we confess it. How do we confess it? We say, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I reject the sinful genetical code that has been passed on to me from my father's from the line of my fathers, and I thank you for your godly gen- gen- genetic pool, your genetic, your genes. It's not that you list all of the terrible sins of your fathers. No, you just reject the sinful line, the gen- genetics that haven't passed on to you. When we're confessing for our own personal sins, of course, we need to specify what these sins are. But those things that were of our fathers, that we have, we have inherited, these we reject before the face of the Lord. Fifth, to repent and confess your iniquity before God, it is necessary by being instructed in faith to learn to walk in the light that God walks in, within the boundary of the body of Christ, identifying the chosen by God remnant. First John 1, 7 through 9. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sixth, to walk in the light that God walks in, it is necessary by being instructed in faith to learn the discipline of hope, which is that very light that God walks in. The discipline of hope, which is the light that God walks in, is the word of God that comes out of the mouth of God. John 1, 1 through 5, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. 
it was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. We can conclude that everything that the Lord trusts in and relies is his word. And what word? The word that comes out of his mouth. We need to keep in mind that the spoken word of God is fulfilled by the Holy Spirit or becomes visible, a visible reality by the work of the Holy Spirit. Gen- Genesis 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Furthermore, our hope that God our our hope and our trust that God will redeem us from all of our iniquities, the iniquities of our fathers and those that we have committed. are called to be words spoken by God using the mouth of his messengers, messengers that are anointed by the Holy Spirit, whom he has made sovereign carriers of his spoken words. These are not our own personal words, the wellspring of which is our flesh or flesh of other people that (coughs) impersonate themselves as messengers of God but are not messengers of God. Such an elaborate third price. It is necessary for us to trust upon God and His Word. And this is the Word that is anointed by the Holy Spirit or spoken by those whom He has sent. And not someone maybe that has been voted for in an election or It's, it's, it's foolishness. People, they say, brothers and sisters, let us vote. Whom, whom do we want to have as our pastor? Don't you consider this odd? How do you elect God's messenger? We don't see this in Scripture that people voted for someone to be their pastor. He sent his messengers. He gave them his words. He anointed them, and they had gifts of the Holy Spirit messengers need to be received not elected for <coughs> or voted voted in fourth to give God the legitimate ability to be our redeemer from the body of death it is necessary to set our mind on the things above Romans 7 through 25 for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? I thank God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. This place of scripture is just full of the revelations of the Lord. And of course, the lawless use them to justify their lawlessness. As they say, you see, I serve 
the law with my mind and with the flesh the law of sin and so they legalize uh, sin and lawlessness in this way let's understand what it really means according to the words of Apostle Paul the mind of man who is redeemed from sin and death by the blood of Christ is within conflict uh, with his mortal body the reason is because they have two different laws the mind of a man is in conflict with the members of my mind is in, in is in, at war with the members of my body one law works within the parameters of the emotions which outstretches its effects upon the members of our mortal body the other law works within the boundaries of our mind as it says in my members I see a law that is against the law of my mind and so the law of the mind is fighting or the law of the mind is the tool of the new man who is fighting with the law of sin and death that is in the body and so our mind and our lips are the two tools and so we'll see this beautiful picture and so I've highlighted these things and and noted them because I needed to fully understand uh, read and fully understand and every truth of the word which is food and the tools of the new person is within is at the disposal of the new person by the mind of man equally to establish and ratify every revelation of the truth of the word that is within the heart we need to also utilize our mind that works together with our lips let the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Psalm 19.14 And so the word of God uses our spirit only through our mind. And it also uses our mind through our spirit. And so the collaborative work between the two and then our lips also are uh, take part in this when we hear the word of God our spirit doesn't hear it this word of God is heard by our mind the spirit everything is in the key word the right to the power it needs to be passed on the Holy Spirit our spirit can't take anything just like that it needs to be the word needs to be passed on to it to give my spirit revelations I need to come to the church I'm tired, I have a business, I have other uh, things, I have a busy schedule. Because I to have to wash myself, I need to dress up to be able to go to the service. And so, but what happens is I come here, I, I place my ears here. And when I hear Pastor Arkady, at this time my spirit is, is filled. If my ears are closed, my spirit is not being filled. And so it receives from the mind, and so, and so the first thing that happens is it hears. I hear with my ears, and it falls into my 
mind, my spirit then needs to, my mind then passes on to my spirit. Some people do what? They hear the word of God and they, oh, I like this, I'll take this, but this I don't like, I throw it away. That's the incorrect way to do it. From our mind, the word of God falls into our spirit. We need our mind just to hear the word of God in the beginning. And to be able to hear it with our mind, we need to incline our ear and direct our ear in the right direction to hear what the pastor says. And when I do this, the word of God comes into my ears, then it comes into my mind, and my mind then passes it on to my spirit for the use of my spirit whether I understood it or whether I didn't. All I know is this is someone the God has sent into my life. And there are many things I may not understand, but I put it into the Spirit. And why is it put in the Spirit? For the use of the Spirit. From the Spirit, it then goes back into our mind. From the Spirit, it comes, and so the word that I understood, that is, and also not understood, it's, it is coming into my mind again and when it's in our mind it is different it has now become part of me it is the word that I received as a student not as a teacher or as an instruct uh, or as a and so now that and it's not that the mind is well I think it should be like this or this is how I should understand or everyone should understand it and so I place this word upon the table of showbreads and it comes into the to the lamp and when it's in our lamp our mind then it becomes part of our confession as it says here that And so again, our ear, our mind, then our heart, then our mind again, then our mouth. This is the prayer of a person then that will pray in spirit and in truth. Hearing the word with his ears, receiving it to the mind, only for the reason to receive with the mind, only for the reason of thanking God for receiving that word, and putting it then on the table of showbreads in our spirit, waiting for the time, then the Lord returns it back into our mind, I understood it, I received it and I confess it with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so to give God the ability to be our Redeemer, we need the, the words of our mouth and the thoughts of our heart that are in our, mi- our mind be according to God's will and work together, our heart and our, our mouth. And so the Lord doesn't work in us based on emotion but the word and so according to such an order which order why does the Lord use our mind and our and our mouth as well and our heart because the Lord doesn't want to base anything off of the desires that are in us but only based upon information that we receive in our mind is truth the devil points to these emotions and things that happen in our body 
But the scriptures say that for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Not what kind of desires, because we're born with all kinds of uh, negative desires because of the genetical code of our fathers. But as he thinks in his heart, the Lord determines who we are based on the thoughts that are in our heart. That's why it's so important to have in our heart, in our mind, God's thoughts. Although in my body, I have sinful desires. But the Lord says, I won't look at those. Have you heard my word? I will look at uh, what's in your thought and what's in your soul and what's in your heart, not what's in your body, the genetical code in your body. I will, I will determine what's in you based on your thoughts that are about the things of heaven. And the Lord then doesn't hear what's in our body. The Lord judges us according to our thoughts. We are created by God in such a way that what we think about becomes our worship and our master, able to lead our emotional aspect so that it can worship God, so that we can give God then the legitimate ability to deliver us from the mortal body. Colossians 3, 1 through 10, 3, 1, 1 to 11. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. For if you die, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourself put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. And so if the discipline of the resurrection of Christ is the element of our mind, then we will meditate about the things of heaven. And so what we, again, meditate about becomes who we are. And so thinking about the things of heaven, we receive power then over our tongue. And using our tongue, uh, we can put away then all of those filthy things as anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, and so forth. And so how important it is, again, to meditate about the things of heaven about the things above, <clears throat> meditate about the resurrection of Christ and meditate about Christ and not the things of the world. Philippians 3.17-21 through 21. Brethren, join in following my example and not and note those who so walk as you have us, have us as a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that is that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able to even even to subdue all things to himself. 
And so how important it is. I especially have noted for myself that the Lord does not judge me according to the desires that are in the members of my body. That's how the devil judges people. I myself may condemn myself. Lord, I live, I have these things in me. But the Lord says, I will judge you by the thoughts that are in you. If you have the thoughts of God, you renew your mind, you abide in the word. Then that's what I will say you are. Because what kind of thoughts are in your heart is who you are. And speaking of the thoughts of God, when we hear God's messenger, we open our ear, we incline our ear, we receive the word into our mind. This is the first stage. And then we receive it in our mind, not to judge it ourselves, but to pass it on. You don't need to hold it up in your mind uh, to decide whether you want it or not. You just receive it so you can pass it on to your spirit. And so when somebody begins to ask questions, well, is he talking about me from the stage or not? That means it stayed in the mind. It did not go into the heart, did not go into the spirit where it was supposed to go. Uh, I never ever imply anybody specifically or uh, talk about anyone specifically. If someone is offended uh, or, or, or hurt in some way, uh, this first I apply this to myself and not someone else. And so our mind again uh, receives it just so it could pass it on to for the use, for the disposal of our spirit and not decide, well, who did he mean? Who did who, was he trying to talk about when he was saying this? Or questions like these. This is not for, this is for. We need to say, Lord, thank you for the word that we heard today. We received this word and we put them on, upon the table of showbreads we pass it on as you take one item and pass it on to the next person just the same way and so then you put it up on the table of showbreads <clears throat> the golden table of showbreads and then once it stays there for a while it comes back to your mind and when it comes back now the right thoughts happen that's where the work now begins happening I never start using my intellect or, or mind until it first ends up upon the table of showbreads because you say thank you lord for the word that's in my heart and the time will come where we come back to the labors of pasture they come back into our mind and then everything begins working our spirit then gives it back to our mind to be able to understand so we so we understand the truth the way it is it is supposed to be understood And so we work upon the word, we meditate, and then by working on it, meditating about it, it then is passed on to our mouth that we can procl- so we can proclaim uh, the ear, the mind, the heart, and then back to the mind, and then the lips, the mouth. Fifth, to give God the legitimate ability to be our Redeemer, it is necessary to seek the Lord by focusing your eyes upon Him. Psalm 34, 4, 5. I sought the Lord, and He heard me, and delivered me from all of my fears. They looked to Him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. 
To look upon the Lord is one of the main components without which it's not possible to seek God, giving God the ability to become then our Redeemer from all of the dangers uh, from that come from our nation, the house of our Father, and our destructive desires, the desires of our soul, that is supported by the old man who represents in our body the programmable system of the fallen cherubim. And so to look upon the Lord, a very important element. Isaiah 51, 1 through 3, Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock, look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, look to Abraham your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. For the Lord will comfort Zion, he will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving, the voice of melody. Looking at this testimony in scripture, we are we become familiar with the uh, technical phrasing of looking upon the Lord. We look upon the unseen reward. In the example we see of Abraham and Sarah, where they had to look at the stars, Genesis 15, 5, 6, Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And so here we can see that the Lord is now utilizing the eyes. Look. Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them and he said to him so shall your descendants be and he believed in the Lord Abraham believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness according to this and many other places of scripture to be able to see the invisible or unseen reward that is uh, in the fruit of our spirit the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ we need to have a form of eyes that would be able to see the invisible or unseen. We need to have a type of eyes or form of eyes that would be able to see the invisible. My eyes that may have glasses barely see what's visible, but we need to have such a nature of eyes that would be able to see the unseen or the invisible. And these types of eyes are the mind of man. It can either be opened to be able to look at the unseen or closed and only able to see what is physical and temporary. Our eyes are our mind that can see either the invisible or look at only what is physical and visible and determine and judge based on only what he sees and hears. This is a blindness. 2 Corinthians 4, 3, 4. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Here is, he blinded their minds. And so we have eyes which arm our mind, and our mind can be blinded. And our mind can be eyes that can also see. 
who do not believe, and so whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. There sometimes is a false perception that this is referring to the people of the world, but this is far from the truth. This is this message is for the church, not for the world. And it's not talking about people who look at them uh, look at themselves <clears throat> in other ways, but those that are actually Christian but cl- they claim to be Christian but actually are not. <clears throat> Revelations 3.18 I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with the eye salve that you may see. And so to be able to obtain this eye salve and see the invisible and have such currency that is required to be able to pay the price for this I self. <clears throat> and so we need to first acknowledge our inability to see the unseen or invisible with the eyes of God. We can't see with any anything that's invisible without Him. Second, we need to sense the need and desire to see the unseen that God is seeing. Third, we need to identify what this I self is made of or its substance that will allow me to see this this invisible. And fourth, identify the currency to pay for this I self. And so, of course, let's first identify what blindness is. Blindness is our carnality or fleshliness demonstrated in trust upon our intellectual abilities. A carnal person does not receive the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they have foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 2.14 The reason for blindness is because of our religious uh, guard and knowledge, and we think that with <clears throat> that, that we ourselves are able, with the help of our, without the help of anybody else, are able to determine for ourselves what is good and what is evil. What is spirituality? Spirituality is refusing to base anything off of your intellectual abilities. Blindness is carnality, and this is trust upon your intellectual abilities. Spirituality is not basing or going according to your intellectual abilities, but upon God Himself only. First Corinthians 2.15 but he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Spirituality, the refusal to rely upon your reasonable or intellectual abilities, this is a conscious and willful obedience to the person who is placed over us by God. This is a person who can acknowledge God's authority in the church. This is spirituality, and spirituality as an eye that is able to see the unseen is not depending upon materialistic things in the form of money <clears throat> and so this becomes as nothing for, to you because the word of God becomes the most precious thing a spiritual person who receives God's authority and a spiritual person is a person who does not uh, regard physical things or materialistic things as he would the spiritual. 
And so the ability to reject what is evil and choose what is good is this eye self. Matthew 6, 22 through 24. The lamp of the body is the eye. And in Isaiah 7, 15, it says, curds and honey he shall eat. And so the price to be able to obtain this eye self is to eat this food that is for eternal life. This is the price for learning the place, the position from which any form and type of sanctification is to be done is the church of Jesus Christ. That for a specific person is a church. That is God's church that has a messenger of God and that we are connected with, bound with by a covenant. Hebrews 10, 25-27, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but extorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. And let's remember the reasons why our eye stops seeing what is invisible and becomes dark. Some of the reasons why a person can see and then lose this ability to see. So does not happen to us. So we. N- and so there are specific reasons. A reason why an eye th- that is called to see the invisible becomes dark. A person no longer is a sinful heart and house. Ezekiel 12, 2. Son of man, you dwell in the midst of rebellious of a rebellious house, which has eyes to see, but does not see, and ears to hear, <coughs> but does not hear, for they are a rebellious house. And so your heart <coughs> and your house is rebellious, so your eye is not able to see. First Peter 3, 10. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. You need to control your mouth. One of the other reasons a person can become blind and not able to see what is invisible. The next is dependence upon alcoholic beverages. And the final reason is looking at things that are worthless. Psalm 119.37, turn your eye, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Isaiah 33.15, he who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, he who despises the gain of oppressors, who gestures with his hands refusing bribes, who stops his ear from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. It turns out that when we look at evil, we become blind for God. When we he- he listen to all this information, CNN and all these other uh, news, we become blind to God. And when we overfill our mind with this information instead, that information instead, we thank God for our ability to st- study and to read. Let us pray.
Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the great privilege of being upon this holy place that your hand is appointed for the worshiping of your holy name. We thank you, Lord, that you have promised in your word, you have vowed that you will fulfill your word, which you had given to your servants, because you are vigilant so that it be fulfilled, and upon this place your word abides. Upon this place are your lips, and upon this place we confess your word. And we thank you for the revelation that we hear. Thank you that we can approach you today, and we can receive deliverance and redemption from the depths of hell that is in our body. Thank you for this comfort that by receiving your instruction and walking upon the paths of righteousness, you will you will give our renewed soul the ability to be delivered from the depths of hell. We thank you, Lord, for the stronghold of life, for the stronghold of resurrection that we have heard about. Thank you for the revelation of the adoption of our body, and our body no longer is the depths of hell. For our renewed soul, our body becomes the temple of God, and you receive worship when our Gentiles, together with your nation, rejoice and lift you up when our body that has hope, it lifts you up together with our spirit, and you hear not just our spirit, you hear our lips, you hear our prayers that our body confesses, although it is in the state of corruption still, but according to your mercy, by trusting upon your word, we have put this confidence for the redemption of our body. Thank you for this trust. Thank you that this corrupt needs to put on incorruption and <clears throat> what is mortal to put on immortality that death be swallowed up by the victory of Christ. Thank you for the victory that you've given to us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the power of resurrection that is within our spirit, our soul, and that today we confess and we proclaim the not existent as existent, the stronghold of life and resurrection for our body. Thank you, Lord, that you have delivered our soul from the depths of hell because we have made your word, your revelation at the door of our hope our hope and have this hope also for our body we thank you Lord that today we have received your instruction and we walk upon the ways of truth we love your instruction we receive your instruction and we fulfill your instructions we thank you Lord for the messenger the instructor the one that you give us one in a thousand that has a heart of a father whom you will send whom you have sent so that we can be delivered from our graves so that we be delivered our soul not just be delivered but also our body would be delivered from the grave because it is a curse that every person has inherited upon the face of the earth 
we thank you that we have received from your messenger, from your angel, who is in your instructor. We've received your word, and you say that you already delivered us today from the grave. You delivered us from death. Thank you for the word that we hear. Thank you that this word that has been passed on by you through your messenger, through your apostle, we accept your apostle, we accept his instructions, we keep these instructions in our heart and we fulfill them. We thank you, Lord, that this word that we hear that is spoken by your person, this word is in us and we pray, Lord, that it also be applied in service for your people. Lord, allow your person to be restored and may this find favor in your sights so that he can soon return to us. We thank you and we pray, Lord, that this sermon, the words that we hear that's been serving us, that it also serve as a restoration for him. We wait with trembling for the revelations that you have given and that you will give to us in the future. We thank you, Lord, that today we can abide in your word. Thank you for these riches, for this great banquet that we receive it into our heart, that it is right now at the disposal of of our heart, our mind pass it on to our heart and so then our heart can pass it on to our renewed mind and our renewed mind can pass on this revelations to our gentle and meek mouth and we can confess your word and this word can be heard by you you heard the heavens because the heavens heard the earth the earth heard the grain and the wine thank you that your earth is full today and we pray and we thank you Lord that you not just open our ear to receive your word but also that you allow us to look at the invisible and the unseen there are few things we can see with our physical eyes but we thank you Lord that you have put this eye into our renewed mind and that we can meditate today on your word, meditate about the glory that needs to be revealed soon in the bodies, and see the invisible and rejoice in what is invisible. <clears throat> we thank you, Lord, with that with our mind, we can meditate about the things of heaven today, about the things that are on high and that we continue to be in these meditations and not meditate about the things of the world with the responsibilities and cares of life let us allow us to continue to meditate about the things of heaven because you said that you will not judge us according to the desires that are in our members and our body you will judge us based on our thoughts because the kind of thoughts that a person has is who he is that are in his heart And we thank you that we have the thoughts of God today that have become, that have been passed on to us uh, for the disposal of of our heart. We abide in the truth and we study your truth. We thank you for this great 
evaluation for this great uh, that you look at us in such a great way the word that we love that we receive that we keep and that we will put forth our effort to fulfill and do we wait for the revelation that you will give to us by your apostle and we thank you for the revelations for the precious promises and treasure that you've already given to us this is a great these are great riches we thank you for this truth that comforts us that gives us joy and that speaks to us may your name be blessed and glorified upon this holy place our great God Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen let us finish with our manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise the glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever. Amen.